out the Junior High Ministry Podcast at Mariner's Church. For this and more content, check us out online at marinerschurch.org slash jhm. Very nice. Okay, let me pray for us as we get ready to jump into God's Word this morning. God, thank you so much. God, thank you that you have given us an opportunity to learn how to follow you better. God, we are trying so hard to be more like your son Jesus, but it is so hard. God, I ask that you would meet us here this morning, that you would help us to um, hear a word from you, and that we would be changed because of it. So God, would you open up our ears and our hearts as we uh, dive into your word this morning, and it's in God's name that we pray. Amen. So we're starting a three-week series called Uncontrollable, and the idea would be that we would start to look at this God that you and I are trying to follow and realize that he is extremely uncontrollable. As much as we want to control God, it's impossible. God cannot be controlled because he is uncontrollable. Right? Let me try that again. We cannot control God because he is And yet, you and I are people who love control, right? We love when we can control things. A few years ago, my, my wife and I were given an opportunity to go up uh, in an airplane with a friend of ours who has his own small six-seater airplane. Now, my wife called her parents and said goodbye before we went on this plane just in case it crashed because she's convinced all small planes will eventually crash. And so we are up in this small plane, and Bruce is our pilot. Bruce has been flying for many, many years. This is Bruce's plane. His name's on the side of it. It says Captain Bruce on there. He knows what he's doing. And so Bruce is in the, in the pilot seat. I am in the co-pilot seat, naturally. And Kim is sitting behind me. Now, we have a moment where we take off and we're flying in the air where we are in complete safety. Because Bruce knows how to fly an airplane. He is in control and we are his passengers and we have to trust that Bruce knows what he's doing. Now, Kim has a little bit of a harder time than I do trusting that this plane's going to actually make it safely back on the ground. And I'm just sitting in the front seat just having a good old time. Bruce starts doing some turns and we're like, whoa, this is pretty fun. And I'm like, we're like roller coaster style with the hands up, like giggling. I have a perma smile on my face. And then Bruce says the most magical words I've ever heard in my life. Magical for me, horrible for Kim. Bruce says, Jared, do you want to fly? I say, yes, I do, ladies and gentlemen. So I put my hands on the yoke, and I do what all of you would do. I push forward on it. Now, what happens when you push forward? What? We're just flying all over the place. Like, we're freaking out. Now, Kim thought she was going to die. I kind of thought we were going to die. Bruce was sure we were going to die if I kept flying this plane. All of a sudden, that moment where, where we... We're in complete safety because, well, almost complete safety. There's all kinds of other things that could happen. But Bruce knows how to fly a plane. I do not know how to fly a plane. Control was completely lost. I'm just like, I've never done this. I've only played video games before. Ah, we're going, if I could have done a loop, I would have done it. But I don't, I, he wouldn't let me. And so we have a problem in our life, though, because we want to control everything. And yet we are part of this family. We're part of this thing called the family of God, the kingdom of God. And when you and I sign up for that, we actually surrender control of not just like the things that we like or the things that we do. We actually surrender control of our whole life to get this, a God who is actually uncontrollable, right? Look at what we're going to do. We're going to spend a few moments this morning in the book of Genesis. It's the very first book of the Bible. And we're going to look at a story that most of you have probably heard before. The, the Genesis starts with God creating the world. 
Then he creates Adam and Eve, the first humans. Adam and Eve decide to eat of this forbidden fruit on a tree. They are sort of tempted and they surrender to the sin of, of the devil who invites them into this. And then God punishes them by banning them from the Garden of Eden. He allows them to live and to continue going on and to actually experience freedom. But it's freedom away from where God currently was living in the Garden. And so they are out in sort of what we would consider maybe the wilderness. They're off by themselves, and they have children. They go off, and they have two kids. Does anybody know the name of their kids? You were here last night. Yes. That's absolutely right. Cain and Abel. So here we go. We're going to start this story. Genesis chapter 4 says this. Now Abel kept flocks. What was his job if he kept flocks? What's a flock? Shout it out. Yep. And what does a sheep person do? What are they called? A shepherd, that's right. Now, Cain worked the soil. So what was Cain's job? He was a farmer. We'll go with the farmer. So we have Abel, who's a shepherd, and Cain, who was a farmer. Now, in the course of time, Cain, the, the farmer, brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. So somewhere in this story, Cain and Abel decide it's a good idea to give something back to God. God's given them everything, right? He's given them their sheep. He's given them their crops, provides protection for them. They say, out a sign of reverence, like gratitude towards God, we should give some of our things back to him, which is called an offering. Now, that is supposed to be a sacrifice where we give away things that are ours. And so they decide to do this. Now, uh, look at what it says in the next part of this story. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So let me ask you, just, just by that first line there, that first sentence, what do you learn about offering in the Bible? What do you learn? Is there anything that we learn? Yes? Okay, so there's something to be said that, that Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's was not. And you're drawing the conclusion that maybe it had something to do with animal parts. Is that right? Good. Okay, anything else? What else do we learn? Very simply, yes? Okay. Okay. Okay, so you're making some connections from other parts of the Bible where God says, I am a lamb, right? And you're saying, so maybe Abel's offering had something to do with that. And Cain, perhaps, his offering of fruit is maybe connected to that earlier story in the previous chapter, right? Maybe, that might be. Now, look at what happens. So they, um, they no, actually, go back, I'm sorry. So it says this, so Cain was very angry. Now, he was angry because they both gave an offering. In fact, Cain gave the very first offering recorded in the Bible, and God did not accept his offering. Instead, he accepted his brother's offering. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast because he was rejected, right? What he gave was not good enough. His brother was actually accepted more than he was. Cain is completely justified in some of his anger. Now, here's the thing. You don't have to teach somebody how to be angry. I have a one-year-old son who loves like, like um, electronic devices, remotes, iPhones, whatever, laptop computers, iPads. He loves these things, right? He doesn't know what to do with them except to chew on them, but he loves them. And so when you take them away from him, you have never seen anger like this before. Ah! 
why? And he starts biting at you and all this stuff. And you're like, where did you learn this? Probably from your mother. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And so he, I'm just kidding. And so you don't have to teach anger because it's just inside of us. It's this like reaction. Cavemen got angry when a saber-toothed tiger attacked their children. I'd get angry too, actually. That's a really terrible story. And so you don't have to be taught anger. Anger just happens. It's just something inside of us that just bubbles up. Now look at what it says in verse 6 and 7. So then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Stop there just for a second. So it says Cain was angry, and then God comes to him and says, hey, Cain, why are you angry? Do you think God knew why Cain was angry? You do? Okay. So if God knew why Cain was angry, why would he show up to him and say, God, or Cain, why are you angry? Why would he do that? Yeah, Nico? Okay, so maybe to give him a chance to talk about it. Maybe to give Cain a chance to say, well, this is why I'm angry, right? What are the things that he might have said? What, if, if this conversation, if you and I could have been there, what, what would Cain might have said to God in this question? Yeah? You, okay, you stink. How about if he says, why are you angry? What are some of the things he might say back to God? You didn't take my offering. Yes. Yeah, you accepted my brothers over mine. What else? You rejected me. Yeah? Why do you think? Nice. <laughs> you should know. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So he says all these things. He has a chance to say all these things. And look at God's response. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Which means you know what is right. You know how to be accepted. But if you do, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. He says, you know what to do, and if you do that, you'll be accepted. Everything will be fine. In a sense, he's saying, you know what you ought to give me as an offering. If you just gave that, everything would be okay. And he says, you can do that. That is the choice that you have. And then he says, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Sin is desiring to control you. It desires you. Sin is this thing that comes in and actually starts to uh, uh, infect us from the inside, right? It's this, this thing that we have a choice that we can do what is right and we can do what is wrong. And when we start to do things that are wrong, sin starts to control us. And yet, we actually have to learn how to control sin so that it doesn't start to control us. Look at what it says in verse 8. So he has this conversation. He has a choice now. You can do what is right or you can do what wrong, was wrong. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. Now, why they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. You have a choice to do what is right, or you can do what is wrong, and sin is crouching on your door, crouching at your door. And he goes and he says to his brother, hey, why don't we go out to the field? Next time your little brother's angry, or you're angry at your little brother, you should be like, hey, why don't we go out to the field? And they'll know exactly what you mean. Don't actually kill them, though. And so... <laughs> Please tell your parents that I said, don't kill your little brothers. And so, don't, where you go? I'm all, you're all over the place. This is driving me crazy. I'm just kidding. Okay, so he says, let's go out to the field. Well, while they're in the field, he kills his brother. Now, sin, he just, God just said, you have a chance to do what is right. You actually have a second chance. You don't have to do this. And yet that anger overtook him. That anger was something that he could not let go of. All those emotions that you said, the idea of being rejected and a failure and feeling like God, like he wasn't good enough for God, all of that clouded his brain and he chose to go out and kill. 
Now, what do you think God could have done to Cain in response to this? What did he actually deserve in response to this? What do you guys think? Yeah? To be killed. So Cain actually, if he causes death, we could, we could potentially make an argument that he deserves death as well. Now, going on from this passage, let me just tell you what happened. So, so Cain has just killed his brother, and he buries him in a field. And God shows up to Cain again, and he asks him another, qu- another question. He says, hey, Cain, where's your brother? Now, did God know where Cain's brother was? Yeah. He says, where's your brother? And Cain's response is, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I the one that looks after him? And then God says to Cain, your brother's blood calls out to me from the ground. Meaning, I know exactly where your brother is. You cannot hide from the decision that you made. You cannot hide from the mistake that you made again. And so God chooses to punish Cain. Now, if we decide that his punishment should be death, it's surprising that God does not strike Cain dead right here in this story. Instead, he says, you will have to live as a wanderer. And because you are a farmer, you will no longer be able to produce good crops from the ground. You are banished to a lifestyle of just living on your own. And Cain says, no, this punishment is too great for me to bear. I can't do this on my own. Everyone's going to try to kill me. And God says, no, I will not let them kill you. God says, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to tell you that if you do what is right, you'll be accepted. And then I'm going to let you go free. He says, I'm going to go give you that freedom that your brother does not get any longer. That freedom that you took away from his brother, I'm not going to take that away from you. This is a story about God being absolutely out of control. Because God has given you the ability to make choices. God has given you the ability to hear what is right and to do what is right, or to hear what is right and to do what is wrong. He is not going to step into your life and physically stop you from doing anything. He wants you to make the choice yourself. He allowed, this is what's so out of control about this story. He allowed Cain to kill his brother. What did Abel do wrong in this story? Nothing. He did nothing wrong. He gave a good offering, and then his brother takes him out into the field and kills him out of jealousy and fear and anger and rejection and failure. God is not going to physically control you. This is actually the most dangerous gift I could ever imagine God giving any one of us. When I was in junior high, I was 12 years old, I got an amazing gift for Christmas. I lived up in the woods of Washington, and my parents gave me a BB gun. The greatest thing a 12-year-old boy could ever get, right? You know what I'm talking about? Not an airsoft gun, not like, oh, it's spring-loaded and it shoots plastic things. No, it shoots real bullets that are not with anything except metal. There's no whatever, what's that stuff inside of a bullet called? Black powder stuff? There's none of that, gunpowder. There's none of that stuff. But it shoots amazing uh, distances and speed. And so as I get this thing, I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to shoot some cans. And so you shoot cans, and you're like, oh, I fell over. Awesome. And then we started, like, getting full cans, and we'd shake them up, and we'd put the can out there. And then you'd shoot it, and it would be like a like the Old Faithful at Yellowstone or whatever. Would be like, and you're like, ah, it's amazing. And we'd all sing songs and stuff. And then and then uh, we would progress to lighters, and we'd put, like, lighters on top of, like, a block, and we'd shoot the lighter and be this little, like, fireball, like a little mini dragon, like spitfire. And then, and then we're like, all right, we need something bigger. So then we got hairspray cans, and we'd shake up the hairspray cans, and we'd put them out there, and we'd shoot the hairspray can, and it'd be like, like a rocket to the moon. It'd be really exciting. We'd put little ants on it so the ants could go to the moon. And then, and then... After that, we started shooting animals because that's natural progression, right? So we'd see squirrels, like, squirrel, like, like up. And then, 
And then, um, and then my mom, actually, I'm so grateful that she stopped me. My mom sees me. I'm, like, standing under a tree, and I'm just, like, like pumping action, like, shooting at this thing. And I keep missing. And my mom's like, what are you shooting at? I'm like, there's a bald eagle up there. <laughs> I later found out that's a felony, and I should have been in jail for trying to kill our national bird. And then the, the natural progression after this was to shoot our friends. And so we started getting in battles with each other and shooting each other. Yeah. I did not realize when I first got that BB gun that it was actually such a dangerous gift. The gift itself was, was not dangerous, but it was how I used it that was unbelievably dangerous. And the older I got and the more risky I got, the more dangerous that thing became. Now, this gift that God gives you and I, this gift of freedom, is the most unbelievably dangerous thing you could ever imagine. Because you have the ability... You have the ability to make your own choices, which means you have the ability to make the wrong choice. And God says, you know what is right. And so when we think about this gift, and we think about how people in the world can get angry, we think about how you can get angry sometimes, right? We all get angry, would you agree? We get angry over little things. We get angry when somebody eats our french fries off of our plate. We get angry when we have way too much homework. We get angry at our teachers, you know what I'm talking about? We get angry when our little brother, our little sister steal things from us or they punch us or they kick us in the shin. That makes me angry. You know what I'm talking about? You get angry when your older brother or your older sister gets everything that they want and you get nothing that you want. You know what I'm talking about? We get angry at all kinds of things. We also, at a deeper level, we get angry when people pick on us at, pick on us at school. We get angry when a teacher maybe gives us a bad grade when we felt like we didn't deserve it. We get angry maybe when our parents are fighting at home and you feel like you can't do anything about it, that can make you angry. We can get angry when somebody in our family maybe dies or gets sick or cancer or something. We can get angry. Anger is a natural emotion. Anger is something that is going to happen to you perhaps on a daily basis. Let me show you this little formula, this little step-by-step -step process that I think I learned from Cain's story. You see, he got hurt. He made an offering to God and it was rejected. And all of a sudden he was hurt by that. That hurt turned to anger. God says to him, why are you angry? He gets to say all of these things. And then instead of, instead of dealing with his anger, he turns into this bitter person. And that bitterness turns into revenge. And he goes back and retaliates against his brother. Now, somewhere in this scale, I would imagine you have lived here before, right? You have been hurt which has turned to anger, which then turned to bitterness, and then to revenge. I would imagine every one of us has lived this cycle at least once in our life. And the, the sad news is you'll live it again, I'm sure. And what God is inviting us to do, what God did to Cain, is he stepped right into that anger and says, hey, why are you angry? Now, his intent is not because God doesn't know why you're angry. He knows exactly why you're angry. The reason is doing it is because he wants you to see why you are angry. And the reason is you are hurt by something. What is it that has hurt you that has made you so angry? Because we have got to learn how to control our anger. Anger is not the right response, that you, the re right response for somebody that lives in the family of God. Look at what Paul says in the book of Ephesians. He's writing to a church and he is saying, in your anger, do not sin. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. This is what it looks like to be in God's family. This is what it looks like to know what is right and to be accepted into God's family. God says, please, 
In your anger, would you deal with that hurt that's underneath that anger? And instead, would you be kind and compassionate because, because God has forgiven you, because God loves you, because God wants you. And here's the thing, God is going to give you freedom. God has given you that freedom. He's given you the ability to choose right and wrong and to live your life. And what's amazing is we can choose to live in God's family and be, be kind and be compassionate and to do what Jesus did for us, which is to forgive and to give us life. Or we can choose to murder our brothers and our sisters. Now, not physically, please do not do that. You're gonna go to jail. You will. But we cut down our friends all the time, right? We make fun of people. We gossip about people. We say things about people we should never say about them. We think thoughts about people that we should never think. We take anger to the furthest degree possible in our own minds. Sometimes we act out on that, and it is not good. God says you have a choice. You have an opportunity to wrestle with the question, why are you angry? I'm going to have Justin come back up here, and I'm going to give you a chance to respond to what God is saying to you this morning. So just in a very brief recap, I would ask you to close your eyes and just to think for just a moment. To think that we serve an uncontrollable God, that no matter how good you are, that no matter how many good things you do, that does not necessarily mean that God gets to do whatever you want him to do. That's painful sometimes. And to think that we serve a God who will actually allow us to make mistakes. We serve a God that will allow us to really hurt other people, to make decisions that are very painful. During this next song, I want you to reflect about your own life. Reflect about this God, this uncontrollable God. You're welcome to sit and to think. You're welcome to stand and to sing. These next few moments are for you to be in God's presence with him. Thank you.